0: So glad that you are here this morning. We're actually starting a new series. So last year, on Mother's Day, we were in a series in 1 Corinthians, and it just so happened that on Mother's Day, we were talking about sexual sin, especially that episode where the son-in-law had an issue with his mother-in-law. Anyway, this year, we're talking about peace, and all the moms in the house said, Amen. And so this series is called Heaven on Earth, and the point of this series is for us to take this to heart, to bring heaven here in our hearts, and then also that we would bring heaven into our families, into our workplaces, into our schools, and into our neighborhoods. What would it look like if our lives looked a little bit more like heaven? Can't... We use a little bit more heaven in our lives right now, in the lives of this world. But before we talk about heaven invading earth, we have to talk about heaven invading our hearts because that's the story of scripture. The story starts that God created the heavens in the earth. And the first thing that we read is that the earth was void and without form. It was this Hebrew term, tohu vavohu. There was chaos. And so God took chaos and brought beauty into this world through creation, through us. There was a second problem though. We chose to trust in our own rationale and our own reason. We trusted in our ability to decide what was right and wrong versus trust. That what God said was right and wrong was real. It's called sin. All of us partook in sin. It wasn't only Adam and Eve. And so God has been trying to restore things back into order ever since. And the climax was the coming of Jesus. We celebrated his resurrection a few weeks ago when Jesus came. He lived a perfect life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice. And he came to defeat death once and forever, and so every person who believes in the name of Jesus will have everlasting life. That's the good news of the gospel message, and there's more. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to restore all things. He's going to make all things new. That's why we still have chaos here on earth. That's why earth doesn't look like heaven right Now, and so my hope again, through these few weeks, that we would see what heaven looks like, that we would receive it, and that we would actually live it. So we're going to see what heaven looks like, we're going to receive it personally, and then we're actually going to live it out and see how it changes our families and our workplaces and our schools and neighborhoods. You guys with me? You ready? Let me give you a little bit more background. This came about when I was preparing for this message, and I was in Luke chapter 24. I was reading the rest of the resurrection narrative, the end of this gospel, the gospel of Luke. We're going to be there in just a little bit, so if you have your Bibles, you can flip to Luke chapter 24. We're going to read these verses, and one message turned into a five-part series. So we're going to take these gifts that Jesus in his resurrected body is talking about to his disciples. I believe there's five gifts here. And again, we're going to take them personally, and then we're going to live them out. So that's the context of where we are. Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 36, Jesus is talking to his disciples. So A few weeks back, we looked at Jesus talking to these two guys in the walk of Emmaus. They were on their way to Emmaus. Jesus appeared. They U-turned, went back to where the apostles were at. Now, Jesus is talking to the apostles, to the disciples, to all that saw him do awesome stuff in his three-year ministry. So starting in verse 36, and we'll go all the way to 49. As they, these are the disciples, were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them, and said to them, peace to you. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, that the first things out of Jesus' mouth weren't. I can't believe that you weren't there in the crucifixion. Peter, I can't believe that you rebuked me three times. I can't believe that I just had to go through what I went through for your sin. He doesn't say that, does he? Anybody else get that and thankful that that's the case? He says what? He says, peace be with you. That's a gift from heaven and heaven alone that we will take personally today and see what it means to live that out. But let's keep reading. I want to give you these five things and then then we'll we'll, uh, double click on peace. Verse 37, but they, the disciples, they were startled and frightened and they thought that they saw a spirit and he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my Feet, that is I myself, touch me and see me. For his spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So the resurrected body of Jesus is healed. He defeated death. He was no longer suffering. He is healed. Healed. And so we'll talk about that next week. That the second gift from heaven to earth through Jesus is the gift of healing physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, relational healing. He brought healing down on earth. And what does He show him? He shows him his scars. We'll talk about that next week. Is God our healer? Verse 41 And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, He said to them, Have you anything here? to eat. They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. When I read this, I immediately thought about the loaves and the fishes that Jesus multiplied to feed 5,000. God is our provider. We'll talk about how that's a gift from heaven that God provides for his people that when we believe in Jesus that he is enough. Anybody out there? Okay, so that's a gift that we need to take personally. We'll talk about that on the third week. Let's keep reading two more. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. That's the entire Old Testament. Jesus is saying that all of Scripture points to Jesus. Thus it is written, uh, and then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So Jesus came uh, to give us direction and a purpose. He didn't just leave us wandering here on earth like, all right, we're just going to wait for you to come back, Jesus. No, he gave us purpose and direction this side of heaven. That's a gift from heaven. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things and behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's the last gift. He gives us power that can only come from above. So we got these five weeks where I hope when you come to church, you will experience a little bit of heaven. So two questions before we jump into peace. Uh, why? Why are we talking about this? And then how? How do we bring heaven on earth? And then we'll, again, zero in on peace. So the first Why? Hit me literally on Monday morning. I loved what we got to celebrate here uh, last week on Sunday morning when Ben passed the worship leadership baton off to Joel here, and, and Ben brought an encouraging, authentic message. Can we continue to celebrate what God is doing in and through our church? Joel, man, you're awesome. Ben was in the bass, playing bass. We can't get rid of him that fast. He just has this tendency to stick around and I'm here for it because there's no one that serves the church like Ben Kiyoski. So this Monday, I was driving around town and I looked at my dashboard and I saw this. That's an empty with one mile per hour. Um, I was going 25 miles an hour and I took this picture through town. Uh, which I'm uh, embarrassed to say, but uh, it's also safer than 65, right? So uh, why are we talking about heaven coming to earth? That's because we need to refuel in order to do life here on earth. And we need to refuel not from temporary gas stations. We need the real stuff that, that will help us last through the hard stuff of life. That's why we're going through this message, because I know that many of us in the room are running on empty right now. Moms, many of you are, are juggling kids and work and uh, family dynamics and tension and stress. And, and, and we, need, we all need to be fueled by heaven so that we can actually make a difference here on earth according to how Jesus has orchestrated us. A, a quick story, I was driving down, I was actually in my mother-in-law's uh, car, she loaned me her her vehicle, uh, my car had broken down, this was a few years ago, so I was going to 12 in a loaned vehicle with kids in the car, and I saw that in my mother-in-law's vehicle, but I was I'm I'm an optimist. So I'm like, we we can get there. We can get to the gas station. And she had told me, hey, don't trust the gas gauge. And I thought, don't trust the gas gauge, optimist. uh, Empty means not empty, right? (laughs) Not empty means empty. And uh, I was going down one of those hills and... And I stalled out, ran out of gas, and thankfully, within five minutes, I made a phone call and someone was helping me out. And and again, I hope that that's what we experience at church here for the next five weeks, that you leave church recharged with heaven. How cool would that be? If you encountered the word of God and the spirit of God in a powerful way so that you can impact your family, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood. Okay, so that's the why. Here's the how. How are we going to do this? Well, there's this verse in uh, Luke 24. I think it's verse 48 when Jesus, speaking to the disciples, says, you are witnesses of these things. So Jesus is telling them, you saw me do this in my three years of ministry. You watched me uh, do heaven-like stuff here on earth. And now he's saying that there's actually a deeper way of witness. So the first level of witness is just a spectator. It's like you watching your favorite sport on TV. Right now, it may be the NBA Finals. Some of you may be watching the hockey finals. And I know very few of you are watching the Champions League soccer uh, tournament, me and maybe a couple of you uh, else out there. Uh, so. Watching your favorite TV or show or, or sport. You're just a spectator. There's a great distance there. That's how the disciples, I mean, they, 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 were, they were kind of watching him from the afar. We read the gospels. That's a spectating from afar. But my friends, Jesus wants us to do more than just be spectators. He wants us to experience this. And so now Jesus is saying, hey, I'm in my resurrected body and you are witnesses of these things. You have now seen something amazing. I rose from the dead. I I defeated death. I am promising you everlasting life. And many of us have said yes to Jesus. Already many of us have raised our hands we've said the prayer we've come up front we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Many of us are still seeking out Jesus. By the way, I'm there's you're not going to find another more excited person in this room that you're here than me. If if you are here and you haven't yet said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I hope that you continue to come. I hope that you continue to seek him and I trust that if you seek him Jesus said that you will find me. And so that's when we experience him. That, that's a step above. That's like being at the actual game. You're receiving some sort of experience. You're taking it personally. And then there's actually a third uh, uh, way. So the disciples followed Jesus, and then they, they experienced the resurrection. And then in Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit descends, and then they are actually empowered to live out and go out and be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and uh, to the ends of the earth. And so now God is using God's people as God's vehicle for bringing heaven on earth. My friends, that's you and that's me. So you're not only a spectator, you're not only a, a receiver, you're now a giver. You're an ambassador of the good news of Jesus. So that's my hope, that through this uh, uh, series, we'll either go from spectator to receiver or experience the love of Christ personally, or we'll go from receiver to actual ambassador and giver of the gospel of Christ. The first gift is peace. Jesus says in verse 36, peace to you. The gift that we're going to take away this morning is peace. I'm going to run quickly through what peace is and what peace is not. Many people say that peace is just the absence of conflict, but peace is much more than that. Uh, John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So peace, according to Jesus, is not the absence of conflict, but his presence through conflict. When we have the peace of God, we can overcome anything that this world throws at us because we have peace in here. The problem is that our eyes are distracted, that we wander. Instead of focusing on Jesus, instead of focusing on the peace within, we are distracted on all that is around us, is out of order and chaotic in Matthew chapter 10 Jesus says that he did not come to bring peace but he came with a sword and the context of this verse is really important when it comes to peace he's saying that when you and I when we say yes to Jesus we can share that with close friends with close family members and if they're not there yet with the Lord there could be a clash because you're actually leaving the way that you grew up. You're leaving what was old and you're saying, hey, now I'm born again. I'm living differently. And that can bring about a lot of tension. But the hope is that as we continue to focus on the peace that Jesus has for us, other people will see it as well. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not a God of confusion but of peace. If you're confused, it's not from God. God loves order. He came to bring about order out of chaos. And so right now we may be thinking, well, I'm going to have peace whenever I get that job promotion. I'm gonna have peace whenever this person gets their act together. I'm gonna to have peace whenever uh, I, I go home and I soothe with that addiction. I'm gonna have peace when I take matters into my own hands and someone finally makes me the boss. I'll have peace when I have when I, when I get control. How's that working out for you? When 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 we live in that way, instead, let's. Uh, uh, keep our eyes focused on Jesus and see the peace. Let's receive his peace within. So Romans 8, 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and, let's say all that together, peace. He came to bring us peace, peace in here, so that no matter what happens out there, we can know that we have peace with God. All right, so let's personalize this. Uh, a, a few weeks back, I found myself in an insecure place. If you've ever been insecure, uh, don't raise your hand because uh, then you'll be insecure. You know, you'll know, you'll, you you'll say, oh, I'm insecure, insecure, insecure. So I, I was feeling insecure. I was way too focused on all these dynamics that were happening out there. And God was so kind that he reminded me, hey, your value Is not in the things out there. In fact, when I put my value in the things out there and what people think about me and my performance and fill in the blank, those external factors, that's when I'm insecure. But when I am confident in what God has deposited inside of my heart, who he says I am, my identity in Christ, I am secure. And when we are secure, when we believe that we are who God says that we are, my friends, we will have peace. And another word for peace is order. And another word for peace is also confidence. We can have confidence because we know that he sees us and knows us. So three I am statements that I want to go through this morning and then we'll be done. We want to believe this. When we believe that we are, number one, a child of God, we can have peace. When we believe that God created us, that God is our heavenly father, he is perfect and yet he also loves us, we can have peace. Psalm 139 verses 13 through 16 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I know that that is for someone this morning that you are a child. You are a son. You are a daughter. Before your mother knew you, God saw you he formed you. Our world is confused as to who the author of life is. Uh, many of you know that I used to work at the Supreme Court, and they've made the headlines this week, and, and the world is full of confusion. There's a lot of political stuff. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to go into that, but what I am going to go into, he alone is the author of life. We cannot dictate when life starts and when life ends. Only God knows those things. We are his children. He saw us when no one else did. So in moments of insecurity, I had my little slips and I don't know where they are. Imagine if I have a little slip. There they are. Thank you. Just mother, mom saving the day. Woo. Some of us need to believe this for the first time this morning. I'm a child of God, and I can tell you when you deposit this inside of the secret place of your heart, when you deposit that into your knower, into the deeper areas of your life, you will have peace, a peace that no one can take away when you know that you are a child of God. John 1, 2 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Robert McGee. He's a counselor and uh, theologian, author. And he wrote a book in the nineties, good books. No, no date called A Search for Significance. I highly recommend it. Uh, Rob read it with me many years ago, and I still have my copy with all my notes on it. And he talks about that this, that us being children of God is the answer to the performance trap. And the performance trap says that I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. If you want to be insecure, stay in that performance trap. But Jesus says that we are justified. And because of justification, we are completely forgiven and fully pleasing to God. And we no longer have to fear failure. That's what makes us secure. That's what brings us peace. The second thing is that we are totally forgiven. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Shame is the thief of what Jesus came to bring us. There's a difference between shame and conviction. Conviction says, hey, something's wrong. When Jesus went into the temple, he didn't act very peaceful, did he? He came in with a whip, and he brought order out of the chaotic thing that was happening in the temple, and he does that in our lives too. It's called his kindness. God loves us so much that he gave us his Holy Spirit to convict us in areas that are wrong, that are uh, insulting him. It's called sin when we miss that mark. But God forgave us of those things. Shame is when we hold on to those consequences. When we allow them to define who we are. Shame. I am what I am. I cannot change. I am hopeless. And the answer is regeneration. Because of regeneration, you have been made brand new, complete in Christ. You no longer need to experience the pain of shame. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Let's remember that we are totally forgiven and deposit that in here. That will make us secure. That will bring us peace. And the third, that I am created on purpose and for a purpose. Philippians 4.9 says that whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So it's not only seeing, it's not only receiving, it's also living. And, and when we live our lives according to the way Jesus has called us to live, he gives us, promises us, His peace. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is the solution to being an approval addict. And that is, I must be approved by certain others to feel good about myself. If you want to be a slave to insecurity, stay in that place. But the answer is God's reconciliation. And not only has he reconciled us to the Father, uh, but he is also calling us to be reconciled to one another. Because of reconciliation, you are totally accepted by God. You no longer have to fear rejection. You have a purpose, and you can live on purpose. So which of these three hit home for you? What areas in your life... Do you sense that there's maybe some chaos or some disorder? Maybe it's that first, these are basic, y'all, but these are so deep that we, that that you're, you and I are a child of God, that God saw us before we were even born, that He loved us, that He saw and uh, was with us. Or, Or maybe that we are totally forgiven. Maybe you're holding on to shame and you just need to let shame go. At our 9 o'clock gathering, someone in the new sign language taught me that peace in sign language is this. And so maybe there's something that you're holding on to that you just need to say, not anymore, because I'm totally forgiven by the one who paid it all on the cross for me. Or maybe you are wandering. Maybe your eyes are witnessing way too many other things out there. And you just need to remember who Jesus is has called you to be, that he created you on purpose and for a unique purpose. Worship team, you can come back up. On this Mother's Day, I know a lot of us have benefited from safe, Moms, where we have grown up with this sense of security for moms and and with moms for little ones, this is what we get to show our kids, that we want to be these secure people so that our kids grow up to know that they can be secure, knowing that they are known, that they are seen, that they are loved, that they are forgiven. But the reality is, we are all imperfect, all of us. There's only one perfect one. His name is Jesus Christ. And he in his resurrected body this morning says to each one of us, Peace to you. Let's pray.